5: the fire me like a cigarette thrown to gasoline If death don't bring you fear I swear you'll fear these marching feet
6: good evening ladies and gentlemen welcome to Cold War radio live on WHBj digital talk out of Pittsburgh I'm trying to find out why this is sounding like this uh, let me just see where where we are there we go all right uh, we got a great show for you tonight uh, absolutely outstanding show I've got a, a special guest coming on Michael Dougherty, uh, who's going to be very interesting. Uh, and I will introduce him later on in the program. Uh, Let me just say happy anniversary to Marlene and her husband listening to the program in Kona, Hawaii. Have a blast, Marlene. You deserve it. Uh, I want to thank Steve Geisel for stepping up to the plate and becoming a Cold War radio patron. Thank you, Steve. Uh, WHBJ's going pretty good. we got some pretty good shows. We finally got... uh, The True Crime Brewery that we were looking for for some time, Uh, that'll play right after this program, about 10 o'clock. So stick around. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy the interview. Uh, There's some other things going on. The place is going nuts. I mean, if you've noticed lately, the Democrats, everything they do tells me that they are in a panic mode. They have brought out everything. The thing you need to understand about Democrats right now, I think, is that they can't win in a fair fight. Their ideas cannot win. So they do things little by little, and they have enablers in the Republican Party that allow them to do this. They'll ask for five, and the Republicans will say, let's just give them two and a half and think that they're uh, doing the right thing. That's what they've done for the past 50 years. They've managed the decline. They've managed the move to the left. Have you noticed that nothing has moved to the right until now? Now things are starting to move to the right. So what do you hear? I told you the other night, and I'm going to tell you again. Words are very important. You keep hearing the word, and you'll hear it tonight, democracy. Democracy. And they say it like it's what we're under, like, like it's the type of government that we have, and it's not. And you know that. But apparently we failed to teach the young this. And you hear it from all these po- all these Democrat politicians. Always talk about democracy. You see them openly defying the Constitution and saying that we should take the Electoral College away. That is a battle, ladies and gentlemen, that if we lose, we lose the country. If you're not willing to take up and defend the Electoral College with whatever means necessary, then then you might as well give the country away. Because you can already see what these people have done when they have complete power, such as in Detroit and Chicago and New York and San Francisco. And my God, have you seen Seattle? Have you people seen Seattle? Google that or duck, duck, go it. There are homeless camps all over Seattle. And the city administration will not allow the police to do their jobs. I mean, there are groups of police telling citizens, you got to get this mayor out of here. It is unbelievable, and I'm going to do a, a report on that, but I have a, this interview uh, this evening. But all right, let's get into some of the other things that are going on uh, along the same lines of what I'm talking about. The Democrats know they they know they're losing the black American population. The immigration – they're busted on immigration. I don't know if we're going to be able to stop it, but we know about it. So now I want you to listen to Senator Chuck Schumer, Democrat senator of the failed state of New York, talking about uh, the elections in 2020. It's really quite quite amazing, but there's some hidden language in there. I want to see if you catch it.
0: What are your chances, uh, Senator, of taking back – I mean, very exciting. There's an answer to your question about impeachment, but what are your chances of okay, taking – Okay. Well, let me
4: just say first, it is so important this time to take back the Senate. Right. Now, obviously, we want to win the presidency, and that is probably the most important thing. But even if we win the presidency, and I think the odds are greater than half we do, Democrats – Even if we keep the House, the odds are like 90% will keep the House, barring some cataclysm the other way. If we don't have the Senate, two very bad things will happen. One, Mitch McConnell will block everything that the new Democratic president tries to do, just as he did once he got the majority under President Obama. Nothing happened.
7: Including one very important Supreme Court judge.
4: And that's second. He will, you know, it's 51 votes for the Supreme Court, no filibuster for that either. And um, he will block any presidential appointment to the Supreme Court, my guess is, for one year, two years. I mean, amazingly enough, McConnell said in the New York Times profile of him a few months ago, the proudest thing he did was withhold Merrick Garland. And so it's vital to take back the Senate. Now, in answer to your question, what? Is, so I hope there'll be – last time in the election, it was take back the House. We needed it. It was easier to take back the House than take back the Senate, given the Senate it, map much.
0: And how about the Senate? Did, how, this how, time,
4: the Senate is not easier than, to keep than the House, yeah. but much better than last time. Here's why. In the last Senate map, you know, it's sure. a third of the senators, and this was just how it turned out. A um, third of the senators every two years are elected. This is how it turned out. We had 10 senators running in states that Trump won. We had five running in states that Trump won by 20 or more. Missouri, Indiana, West Virginia, Montana, and Missouri. You're good. We lost three but kept two of those. We picked up two other seats. And then the big surprise was we lost Florida by a tiny little bit. This time we only have one Democratic senator running in a Trump state, which is Alabama. And they have a whole bunch of senators in purple states up. So is it – a lot easier than is it going to be easy no it never is in the senate because the rural states get the same number of senators as uh the urban st- the bigger states but is it a lot easier than last time yes and i hope there'll be a cry from one end of the country to the other not only win the presidency not only keep the house but at the very top of the list take back the did you catch it
6: ladies and gentlemen now he's going to turn the democrat mob on the rural states because our, you can see as these communists get braver and braver, you can act, You can see the intricate brilliance of our founding document documents. The founders knew about they knew about Chuck Schumer. They knew about Nancy Pelosi. They they knew these people existed. They existed back then too. People just. Uh, Drunk on power Is pretty much what it is Now another thing uh, Is starting to emerge This is sad I mean We have a real history And the world has a real history And I'm pretty sure Representative Clyburn Is older than I am By a lot which puts him back in the 40s or 50s, the 50s at least. So, Mr. Clyburn, who sold out to Steny Hoyer <laughs> the first time Pelosi was House, was Speaker of the House, got a car out of it. Uh, but I want you to listen to his description of the president, keeping in mind what he has to Tell himself he doesn't know. Clyburn has to unknow some things that he knows in order to make a statement like this.
7: I was asked, have they ever seen a climate like this before? And I said, no, I have not. But I have studied about climates like this. And I reminded folks then that Adolf Hitler was elected Chancellor of Germany, Uh, and uh, he went about the business of discrediting institutions uh, to the point uh, that people bought into his stuff to allow anybody to discredit the press, discredit the military, to discredit uh, our leadership uh, in both in the Congress uh, and outside.
2: The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply.
7: See website for details. We are asking for dire consequences. And I think it's time for the Congress, House, and Senate To grow spines and do what is necessary to protect this democracy. This man and his family are the greatest threats to democracy of my lifetime. Wow. Wow. Strong words there.
1: Wow. So that was actually third-ranking House Democrat, South Carolina Congressman James Clyburn, uh, as you heard there, lambasting uh, President Trump's rise to the White House, even loosely comparing it to Adolf Hitler's uh, German chancellorship.
6: MSNBC, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and and not only the president but his family this is the third you heard it the third ranking member of the House of Representatives in the United States of America talking about his president that way and you know what I'm tired of saying wow if you want to talk said that about Obama then yeah well that's old that doesn't matter anymore you know we have to move forward don't even look behind you. It's time to move forward. You've heard the ongoing debate. And, uh, well, I think I have a clip of the debate. You've heard it uh, about John McCain, and it's, uh, it was on The View, and it's been uh, everywhere. <laughs> so that's been going on. And now you have really all you need to know. About John McCain is Senator Chuck Schumer, that you heard in the previous clip, has resumed his efforts to rename the Senate office building after McCain. So you can see where the alliances have been all along. Uh, Now that you see Fox News starting to really, really, really slant left, I mean, when I saw. The last time I watched Fox News, I was watching Sean Hannity right after Judge Janine last week got fired. And here comes Don Hill, the headline guest of Sean Hannity. I shut it off right then. And now you have Paul Ryan has joined the board of trustees or the board of, of Fox News. So we'll have to follow that as we go along. But, you know, we have a lot of entertainment. Along the way, we really do, because uh, Jim Acosta was at it again. You're going to hear a little clip. Uh, He was a little mad because the president didn't call on him. And then you're going to hear a pause. And during the pause, if you watch the video, and you can watch these videos at SteelCityResistance.com on the video page. Uh, They're numbered by episode. Uh, They're sorted episodically. Uh, This is Cold War Radio 704. Uh, But the pause, you can see it it comes up on the screen, was Jeb Acosta when he was questioning Obama. And then you'll hear that. So pretty interesting.
8: And then he was asked that question uh, by a reporter with The Daily Caller right at the very end. Uh, You know, it was the question was was asked in a way that really teed it up uh, like a like a game of t-ball here in the rose garden Uh, the president was just sort of served up a softball there when he was asked you know whether or not the democrats are advancing a lot of socialist ideas i wanted to ask you about what uh, some people are calling your best week ever Uh, last week uh, you had two supreme court decisions supportive of uh, the Affordable Care Act and of gay rights. You also delivered uh, a speech down in, in Charleston that was uh, pretty warmly received. Uh, it seems that you've built up some political capital for the remaining months of your presidency. I'm curious how you want to use it. Uh, what hard things do you want to tackle at this point? In terms of my best week, now my best week, I will tell you, uh, was uh, marrying Michelle. That was a really good week.
6: All right. Now that's interesting. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, you know, he, he gives him that softball, and then he just lets him uh, let smoke them anyway. Mona from New York. Hello. How are you doing?
3: Hey, what's going on, everybody? I was going to talk about this guy. Like, how do you attack a reporter? And I love the tweet that he said. He's like, I asked him a question straight up. Let him answer it instead of, like, trying to be in the spotlight.
6: And that's what he does. He does that so well. There's no question. And yeah.
3: And, and he's he getting, like, a, tantrum, uh, a um, temper tantrum because um, Trump didn't call him because Trump had a press conference with Brazil to talk about Venezuela, to talk about the space force in Brazil. He didn't want to get into a different task. Jim Acosta, so they could take over the whole news network, and everybody is going to be talking about Jim Acosta, Jim Acosta.
6: And, you know, he does it every single time, and he does it at the most inopportune moments. I mean, if you look when he has these outbursts or – you know, the president's not gonna call on him because he knows he's not gonna ask him a question that's pertinent to what's going on yeah, right he's, now.
3: He's gonna ask him a question like why are you attacking John McCain, right. for example, I guarantee you that would have been the question. I mean it's like, like what, what do you have against John um, John McCain? Blah blah blah. Like something like he about football, he goes he's like totally not even in the same ballpark.
6: Right. And, and I mean I can I'll equate it uh just to this show. If I have a guest on that we spent time getting them to come on the show and talk about, you know, some good material. And then somebody calls up and wants to know the baseball game score. It's like, come on, don't do that. That's that's what Acosta does. He goes in there and, you know, I mean, even even serious matters like during the Korea negotiations and with the, with the angel moms and dads right in front of the president, he has no shame at all. No, none. All right, let's see what else we got. We got uh, this guy here is a real gem. Ladies and gentlemen, his name is uh, Representative Swalwell, uh, and he's from California. And and I want you to remember this guy. He's one of those guys. He reminds you of the Brett girl. You know, what was his name? Uh, The Edwards. He reminds you of Edwards. He just has that on that. You you never met anybody that looks this way, right? Uh, He's all perfectly quaffed and everything. Uh, But the guy comes out. He's the guy uh, when they were talking about gun confiscation legislation who said, well, if they don't give them, we have nukes. I'm thinking, whoa, man, what, what is this guy talking about? Well, listen to him now uh, and, and understanding uh, the amount of money that this guy is talking about. So,
9: so shifting gears, a lot of folks are running for president. There's rumor. Well, it's not a rumor. Are you running? I'm getting close. I'm going to make a decision by the end of the month. What, I- what, what's, what's the source? Why the end of the month? Which is next week, I think. Well, I, I want to do it the right way. But the reason I would do it is because I have lived a life where I saw that hard work paid off for my parents so that I could be the first in my family to go to college. I have two kids under two. I'm paying off just under $100,000 in student loan debt. I know why people work hard. I know what they expect it to add up to. But when I look in different neighborhoods and different floors of different buildings, I see that promise of America not reaching all Americans. I believe I'm a generational candidate who can bring inventiveness and optimism to to a city, a place that's very pessimistic. And I have experience. In the last seven years, particularly the last few, on the Intelligence Committee, our democracy has been on the ropes. I know who our threats are from the outside. I know who is attacking the rule of law on the inside. And I will stand firmly and defend it. What's on the other side of that ledger? Why might you not run for president? (laughs) Childcare. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big one. Yeah. Is there an app for that? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it sounds to most people like you're leaning that way. And you've talked about Medicare for All. That's been a big issue. Yeah. Most of the candidates have gotten behind that idea. Yeah. Do you support Medicare yeah. for All? I support Coverage for All, which would be a public option that would drive down the pressure on the private insurers. But I hope we don't miss the opportunity to do what I think we do best as a country. Find the unfindable, solve the unsolvable, and cure the incurable. I would take... A trillion dollars over 10 years, the the trillion-dollar tax cut that the president gave for the wealthiest Americans, a trillion dollars over 10 years to invest in genomics, data therapies, data sharing, targeted therapies, so you can look every ALS, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's patient in the eye and say, we have given you the best shot in a lifetime uh, to find a cure. So that can bring down the cost and extend life. Some candidates, as you know, have called for an end to private insurance. Do you agree with that? No. So there's a partnership there. There's a public-private Healthcare system. I think people want to have choices, but a public option uh, with, you know, support from the government for those who need it the most. I think will put pressure on the private insurers and drive down the cost.
6: Oh boy, you know the, these communists. They never, they never figured out. He wants to spend a trillion dollars on high end medical technology and research. When the way you make that happen, Mister Swalwell, is you let the market determine how much. And if you put a trillion dollars of taxpayer money toward this, where's the entrepreneurial drive going to come from? That's going to get spread out over – first, you guys will all take your cut. And then by the time it gets down to the person on the ground, uh, it's peanuts. We know how this works. The union jobs will go up. The buildings will go up. But the researchers who are developing this stuff – they're the ones that are driven by a free market economy. They're the ones that stay in school an extra 10 years when the rest of us are out there earning uh, to be able to come up with these things. And when you put government uh, into the equation, everything just becomes mediocre, Mona. I mean, it's like you can Mm -hmm. look all over the world and see it.
3: This whole idea of, you know... Paul Marx's book, The, the Manifesto. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember the name. The Communist Manifesto. Yeah, you
5: got it. I just
3: think the Democrats read it, and then they took Saul Alinsky's book, and they took everything around to make it 21st century, and to, and like, to say it out loud to these college kids who I consider uneducated, even though they're educated, and to promise them... A gold platter when they can't even give them a plastic plate.
6: <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, they get out of these. I remember distinctly. I was in Columbus, Ohio. I can't remember the name of the event, uh, but there was a. It, it was the the most. It's the first time I ever really saw leftist activism uh, on the ground. We were at this hotel, and I was on Radio Row, and we actually got thrown out of the hotel.
3: Wait, wait, wait. Was this AFP?
6: Yeah, maybe I can't remember. Was Was
3: this like the bomb scare? Like 2015, and then it was like a big, huge protester right in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, I remember. I was there.
6: It was something, man. I I mean, there was a bomb threat and everything, and we had to Mm -hmm. go outside. And it was timed perfectly because as we were outside, here comes these. I mean, you could see there was rows and rows of buses that pulled up, and they all got out of the buses in front of this hotel, this convention center. And mm-hmm. then at like 1230, no. they were gone. There wasn't one of them left. You know, it was bizarre. Yeah. But I remember talking to a woman there who was just uh, shrieking and her eyes were bugging out. And she was so mad because she went to a four-year college and couldn't get a decent job. And I asked her, and I mean, she was had that white stuff on the edge of her mouth. You know, it was horrible. But I asked, I said, well, what did you go to college for? Well, education I said well you okay. know didn't you look at the job market before you signed for that college loan I mean I'm I can't I can't help stupid stupid hurts you
3: but know? wait if she went for education there is jobs everywhere I know that
6: I know that I mean it, but it, I'm
3: just saying like I just think people expect like they go to college they get a degree they could get a like a 2.8 GPA or they could get a 3.9 GPA and they expect that the minute they graduate uh jobs are going to be looking for them no you got to go out there and look there for yourself and if you don't find something that you like or you, you tried your best you know it's, it's god's way of telling you that this is not meant to be in your life and he's trying to give you a sign that better and go after it that's what happened to me i studied my bachelor's degree is history education i didn't want to become a teacher so then i got into politics and i like maneuvered my way around i was taking dead-end jobs like $10, $15 an hour. I was so lost in my life, but I was never bitter like these kids are. I worked and I found a way. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get my master's because I really want to do public policy. This is, I love politics and I love law. I love legislation. And yet I'm, if I want to make the job to, all I got to do is move to DC and get a job. Right. I just haven't made the jump yet because I still love doing, you know, PR and like radio stuff and all this stuff.
6: And you're but so good these at
3: kids that. Nowadays. Yeah. All these kids now they expect to go to college uh, and they expect I, I, jobs to look after them.
6: Let me tell you, let me tell you what's wrong with these kids, and, and I'll bet you that you can tell me that this did not happen to you in your childhood. The problem with yes. these kids is what you saw was you saw. I don't want to use the word failure, but you saw something that wasn't working out. Now you have probably a background where when you were younger, if you were playing ball or playing something and you lost, you lost. And if you won, yeah. you won. So in your childhood, you learned how to lose, like I did. Mm-hmm. If if I was playing baseball and somebody sucked, the whole rest of the team told him you suck. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you should move over to this position, or maybe you should go play checkers, or something mm-hmm. like that. But it was real. And and yeah. then when you get down further along in your life, and something important happens, like you just said, you evaluated the situation corrected course and moved on. Mhm. And that's that's what we're supposed to do.
3: Well, I think Parasita is still on kids and my father is like you get what you deserve. Right. Things are not going to be, ha- be handed to you. You have to go out there and work for it. And it's going to it's going to beat you
1: down.
2: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office.
2: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's
3: going to depress you. It's going to stress you out. But it's worth it at the end.
6: No, that's absolutely right. And there's a, there's a few adages uh, that are timeless. Uh, along with uh, marriage is timeless, too. Having a mom and a dad is uh, a bonus in life. It really is. Uh, but, you know, you, you are the company that you keep. If you want to hang out with the thugocracy, then guess what? Everybody who looks over at you is going to look at you as a thug. You know, Mm -hmm. the people that you put around you says a lot about you without you having to say a word, you know. And a lot of these kids uh, end up like that. They end up with these people that are uh, not desirable. And it's, it's really sad. It is because it allows them where they are right now. Well, all I have to say is, look how many people voted for Bernie Sanders. That's all I got to say. That's a mm-hmm. that, that's a national emergency.
3: Look at the age group, not even that. Like, if you look at how many people voted for Bernie throughout, you know, and so he dropped out after DC. Well, I mean, actually, you dropped out in the convention?
6: Yeah, right out, right, in, right at the convention. Yeah, yeah.
3: If you look at every state and look at the voters and look at who voted for him and the, um, the gender. You'll see that more men voted for him than women, no like two to one ratio. You'll see the the um, generation from eighteen to forty voted for him twice as more than they did for Hillary. Are you saying that? Are, are you saying that it's
6: two to one male voters?
3: Hmm. Oh, I
6: didn't know that. That's stunning. Okay.
3: You have to look, you have to look at it. There's like research. There was like a, a uh, I forgot where I saw a long time ago. Oh, I'm sure. It was like a breakdown because were. I think I remember somebody was talking about how like only Trump got like. For every uh, three women, one out of three women voted for Trump, they had a breakdown. So if you look at the breakdown for Bernie Sanders and you look at the breakdown for Hillary Clinton, you'll see there's, the numbers are just, you know, the same as what um, Trump got.
6: Well, I'll tell you, you know, to me, that's a national emergency. Because <laughs> if, those pe- if you think about it, if those people ever have the numbers... Forget about Bernie Sanders. Just those kind of ideas. What about Beto? You know, which I don't think he has a chance, really. But I think there's people out there that somebody, like Obama, could captivate the shallow mind uh, and be able to prevail. And that, that's, a, that's a pretty uh, serious situation. I'm going to try to get Mike on here now, Mike Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. What's going on in New York?
3: Oh, that Nancy Pelosi was in New York City with Bill de Blasio about Stuck dream Act. They had a press conference with Nydia Vasquez. I think she's like fourth in the, um, the Democratic caucus or fifth. If I can't remember exactly.
6: Okay, hold on. I'm trying to get this right here. Stand by, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying to work this. and don't know if it's... Uh, we'll see what happens here. All right, so in lieu of that, uh there's some things going on overseas that are that are really uh disturbing 12 french churches have been attacked and vandalized in the last week i mean that that's something that you know you're not really hearing about you hear about it everywhere else but uh, for some reason you don't hear about it uh in the american media and when you have all this uh attention being paid to new zealand uh you would think that we would get some kind of report on that, but it doesn't seem to be coming. I'm not really uh, sure why that is, but it's uh, definitely the truth. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying to get our guest on right now, and uh, we'll see if we can do this this way. And I don't know if it's going to work or not. But anyway, I gave it a shot. I really want to talk to this guy. I hope this, uh, this works out but it doesn't seem to be acting the way it normally does, which is a little disturbing. Uh, but the last...
3: it the t- new system or the yeah, one that
6: you did last week? I, no, the last one worked, but for some reason, I don't know if it's this phone number uh, or what, but it doesn't seem to be. Let's try it one more time here. Hmm. Sorry for the delay. Ladies and gentlemen, Uh, All right, let's do that, do that, do that. Hmm. All right, okay, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't have any other way to really do this. So uh, I don't know if that was a good number or if it's my system's problem. It could be either. Um, All right, one more time. Do you want to try the other way? Yeah, anything. I mean, if you can get in touch with him, he'd call here. You got the number for here.
3: No, they most of um, the clients that I got from that uh, PR, they want us uh, yeah. to cl- call, um, I call them. It.
6: I know it. I know it. Uh, I'm going to try it one more time here. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. I know this doesn't usually happen uh, <laughs> don't know what's going on I truly don't it's not answering that's possible too because it, it looks like it's going through anyway we'll see if he uh if he picks it up if not let's uh, I'm going to have to move along uh, and we'll fix this after the show uh, but it looks like there's some problems in Sweden uh, there we go. Good evening Mike how are you doing? Let's see. Wait, I think he has to, I'll hear him chime in. Righty. And ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you uh, suffering through that. We had some technical difficulties, but it seems like we're good now. Michael, is that you on the line?
5: That is me. How
7: are you?
6: Doing good, uh, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Dougherty is the CEO of the Cyber Education Foundation, and the founder of the Justice Society. He is author of The Devil Inside the Beltway, the shocking expose of the U.S. government's surveillance and overreach into cybersecurity medicine and small business. Uh, now, we we had you on here uh, to speak on uh, Representative Nunes, but I hope we have some time to talk about the book, Michael.
10: Oh, no problem. I'm good at both.
6: <laughs> All right. Uh, I actually met you uh, right right after you had written this book, uh, and I want to pass on uh, some uh, good feelings from my senior uh, co-host, Stacy Rush. She sends her greetings and well wishes.
10: Oh my gosh! Hello, Stace. Where is she?
6: She's not on. She's having a. She's going through a family emergency right now. But normally, uh, she would be doing this interview with me. And she wanted me to convey that to you.
10: Well it better be a good excuse. I
6: hope everybody's okay. Uh unfortunately not, but that's uh for her to talk about. But it's uh and
10: um, she's one of my favorite people.
6: Mine too. Mine too, Mike, no question. Uh let's talk about uh this this uh Nunes, Representative Nunez's lawsuit against Twitter. Uh it's it's kinda interesting. I'd like you to give just a brief overview on it and then I wanna Uh, just talk a little bit about how the left wing media is just uh, going stupid about this.
10: Well, I mean, this is, this is such a same play, different actors over and over and over and over all. They don't, you hand them anything and they go to spin it and anything can be spun. And, uh, you know, you have to think like a crook to understand a crook. You have to think like the media to understand the media. You have to think like the left to understand the left. And and that's what they do. It's a triangle of, uh, you know, victim, villain, savior. These people just, they don't, that's all they do. They just dive into spin it. They don't care about truth. And because they don't care about truth, they were absolutely shocked when Donald Trump won. And, uh, and they still are shocked at Donald Trump because they don't live in reality. They live in, I said, they're a kaleidoscope of BS. So, on their side of it, you know, when you call this defamation, that sort of plays into their hands because it is really difficult to win a defamation case. You have to have, um you know, you have to show intentional in time, yeah. malice in, in, and public figures have a real time, a real hard time, you know, winning a, a defamation case. That being said, this really isn't just for a defamation case. You actually have malice here. These people are using these platforms to attack people. It's part of their political process. They've never had any boundaries whatsoever, so they don't understand the concept. And they hide behind the First Amendment. And this is a, you know, he could get this thing dismissed really fast. I, I don't think he really will. Um, law.com came out with an article tonight that talked about how don't, don't chuckle at this case. You might have a a pretty good shot, but, um, what the key thing is to all these lawsuits always is, is discovery Mm is to get your hands on the internal workings of Twitter and you know that they do this. You just can't prove it. But once you get discovery, you can prove it. I mean, it doesn't make a rocket scientist to watch the left and understand that they feel they're entitled. They feel they're right. And therefore any means to the end is perfectly fine. Be that lying, spinning, oppressing, you know, harming anything. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good chip along at the wall. I don't know how long it'll go, but it's, um, it's something
6: startling. Yeah, it's nice to see somebody fighting. I should have said this right at the beginning. Uh, my co-host, Mona Salama, from New York, is on the line. Mona? Hey,
3: what's going on? Hello, Mona. Uh, I think i met you before, too. I'm trying to remember what event. But I met you through A.J. I don't know where we met.
10: Maybe Trump yeah. Hotel? I don't know.
6: Probably. So looking at uh, some of the media coverage of this lawsuit, uh, it's all pretty much... Uh, trying to make fun of of Nunez and ridiculing uh, the whole situation. Representative Devin Nunez bizarre two hundred and fifty million dollar lawsuit against Twitter. Devin Nunez ludicrous two hundred and fifty million dollar lawsuit against Twitter. Explained, he's literally suing an imaginary cow. Late night host mocks Nunez. Republican Devin Nunez sues Twitter over user attacks or users over attacks. And Nunez lawsuit predictably backfires, boosts Devin Nunez cow. I, I mean, it's just uh, I, I tried to research a little bit about this, and, uh, you know, the, the, the whole thing is skewed.
10: Well, that wouldn't be a shock, would it? I mean, how many people even know how to read a lawsuit? Uh, no, let I Let alone be. find it. And you can't say what's going to happen until it starts happening in court. But that doesn't matter. They play the court of public opinion. They do this all day long. It's just it really is uh, dependent on how many people out there want to just drink the Kool-Aid and, and, and understand that they're, they're really just puppets. And, and these people are just pulling strings. And, you know, when you wake up to that, you wake up and you realize that, you know, Republican plus Democrat is way less than bureaucrat than yeah. the media you know, NDC, and that is that is a, a group of people that are parasitic and feed off this and make a living off this, and um, it's a never-ending never party for them.
6: It is. Uh, can we talk about the book, sir?
10: Well, sure. You know, the book's <laughs> been out for five years now, and uh, so hindsight really, it's, it's called The Devil Inside the Beltway, and I wrote it at, like a novel to bring non- Bring citizens, you know, to bring in Americans into uh, what it's like to go through a government investigation. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, certainly, I, Mike. Not before, we, before you bef-
6: before, before you get into it, I want to I, I want to steer this a certain way because uh, I actually was supposed to interview you on this book about four years ago or however long, and I got turbulent in my radio career and things happened, uh, and, and I wasn't able to do that. But I I can't remember if you sent it to me or if I bought your book, but I have it. And and, and I'll tell you, uh, looking back uh, when you were going through this ordeal or had just completed it, you know, right after you had written the book, uh, it was a story that was very interesting. uh, But it was uh, an individual story. In other words, it was your story. And it was interesting, but in my mind and a lot of people's minds, that's where it was. And then we flash forward these five years, and I see that I'm going to interview you. And I'm looking at this book, and I'm thinking, damn, Mike had this peg before we even knew about the NSA. I mean, this, that was the
10: early adopter.
6: You know, th- this which, was something Which that, was
10: very frustrating.
6: <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm looking back on it, and I'm thinking he had it all along. It's everywhere. And as I'm, as I'm thinking about where we are today, and actually back, uh, right the, the the first time that we learned that the federal government, agencies of the federal government, specifically the FBI and DOJ, et cetera, the intelligence community, uh, as soon as it dawned that these people are in concert trying to take down this president, as soon as that became, you know, something that was real. Uh I started saying, well, you know, because I worked in I was I worked in the military for thirty five years. And I kept thinking in the back of my mind that one of these FBI agents is gonna say, Oh hell no, I'm 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 telling. Lucky Land Casino
2: asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky.
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Uh-huh, In my dentist's office, more than once, actually. Do
2: I have to say? Yes, you do.
1: In the car before my kids' PTA
2: meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win in Tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void were by law. 18 plus. Terms and
6: conditions apply. See website for details. I'm coming out with everything, and <laughs> and it didn't happen. And it didn't happen, and it didn't happen. And I'm looking at the acknowledgement section of your book, uh, and you said something in there that's very profound that I made sure that all my children know. And that is that, you know, one of the things that gave you courage, and, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mr. is getting ready to tell you of an experience of one guy and his company versus the whole government. Uh, but you said that one of the things that gave you courage was your parents told you, hey, no matter what happens, you got a place to live. And I'm thinking, man, more FBI agents' parents should have told them that because sometimes you just have to do what you have to do, and you went down that
5: road.
10: Well, you, you can't really. When you when you, I was positioned in a perfect spot to do it, I understood that big companies – have so many ways of getting their legs cut off by the government that they can't do it. Um, and I had the money and the wherewithal and just the coincidence of being raised by who was raised. So I was in a unique spot and, and I didn't do anything. And and you have this bizarre, to be laden with these bureaucrats of hypocrites that think they're saving the world. These are mentally ill people that have to justify their existence of their worthless careers. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and that would have sounded really intense and off the rails five years ago, but it's all been proved through. That will come in and crush a cancer detection center with 700,000 patients when they were running a crook. And they knew they were relying on a crook. And they didn't bet any evidence. All they wanted, and this is what the public has got to understand, All these people wanted with any warm body to make an example of, and they'd make up whatever it is the transgressions were so that big law would tell companies you shouldn't do this. And they basically wanted to shut me down to make up what I did wrong. When you say I didn't do it, no one believes you because we have a media that doesn't any investigation. Our media is nothing much but a bunch of sports announcers. They just say what's going on. They, they don't research, they don't bet, and that means the bad guys have the upper hand. And, and that's what happened. I mean, I had a medical laboratory. We had someone break in and take 9,000 people say he stole it. He said he found it. We asked him how, and he said he's willing to help us for $40,000, and it was a racket. So much to my chagrin, two years later, when the FTC, Federal Trade Commission, calls investigating us, because we had data taken, so that must have meant our security uh, our security plans were ineffective, and we had to be held accountable for it. And this sounds all great to the to the Americans, but Americans don't understand that we have been taught how our government really works, and our government hasn't worked the way we're taught it works in hundreds. And And you, you, and you, this, you figured that out. So much power.
6: You figured that yeah. out at a certain point, and, and, yeah. and, and you weren't even aware that the that LabMD, I hope you don't mind me mentioning that name. It's
10: no, it's LabMD, no, I'm
6: sure. LabMD, uh, you you felt as the CEO and everybody at the company uh, that you fell under the purview of Health and Human Services. You weren't even right. looking at the FTC. Uh, I mean, this just came out of the out of the.
10: Book. And so he, here's the end game. Okay, here's what we to understand: agencies can do whatever they want. And they do whatever they want until someone sues them and they have to get to court. And if you, if you decide to do that, you have shark by the thin with big teeth that will try to kill you in the process. And so companies aren't going to do it. I was a fluke and they lost the lottery with me. But the bigger picture isn't that. The bigger picture is it takes that to defeat them which is why they run so rogue because no one's really ever going to do that.
6: Well, talk about that time when, and Mona, jump in at any time, but talk about the time when you actually, because I remember reading this, when you actually said, wow, the government doesn't play by the rules that I thought they did my entire life.
10: Well, that was pretty early when I went to Washington, D.C., and, and I was trying to figure out why I was, up there, why I was a felon, why my lawyer was so confused, and how I could be um, found guilty of something. And this is the part where you have to really listen. They argue they don't have to tell you what the standards are that you have to do. They argue that they basically don't have to tell you what you're doing wrong until it's done wrong. So that's like saying, We'll let you know when you break the law, and when you break it, we'll arrest you. But you don't get to know what not to do until you do the wrong. And that in and of itself is so crazy, yet you're with lawyers and judges in a process where that's normal. This is the administrative state. This is what people don't see. This is what's not on a TV show. You know, this is civil. This is criminal. And when it's a civil procedure, they can strip you of your rights. All day long, yep. and federal judges will not back you up. They don't have the courage to. You really have to go to the mat. And when I wrote the book, it was like jumping off the other side of a the ravine, not knowing if I was going to make it or not. When I started this, I had no idea that the book would get Daryl that to a an inter, a, to a investigation or to have a test a hearing in front of all of House Oversight or. Have a whistleblower come out and say what really went on. And, you know, and, and, and what's terrifying is that you have to do all that to be successful. What you have to do to be successful is, is ridiculous. And then I still lost the company. So you win, but what have you won? Your company's gone, your career's gone, all the patients have lost their laboratory. We had 700,000 cancers. Now, no one will report that, really. No one can take that in. You don't want to scream and yell because people run away, but you wonder what you have to do to get people's attention. But if it's too intense, the truth is so bad about what the government's doing right now that people don't have the courage to look at it in the face.
6: You know, I looked at your prologue, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you could put... Uh, instead of it saying prologue, if if it said deep state, and then you define the devil, uh, and it pretty much defines the deep state. I mean, yeah, the, I was saying it. You know, the the devil in the Beltway. It's uh, it's something else. Something that something just a little bit trivial that that kind of caught me uh, after watching the Michael Cohen uh, debacle. Uh, right at the onset, as soon as you realized. That man, I, I'm going to have to get lawyers involved in this. I thought I thought it was interesting the way you you did a mental self check on your lawyer on Evelyn. You know, it was like yeah, okay, I know her. Yeah, she's good. I trust her. I just thought that was uh, after watching the Cohen thing and wondering what the president was thinking as he was up there talking. You know, that man, I hired this guy. He, he was my guy. Uh, I just thought that was kind of interesting.
10: Yeah, but, you know, what's interesting about that is that she really wanted to uh, get out of the case because she felt so overwhelmed, and she felt it was her job to find a lawyer that knew more, and so she did fell right into the trap that we all fall into. She hired a former government lawyer, and that's the worst thing you can ever do. Who's
5: that and, Dana. Uh,
10: and then in hindsight, in hindsight, we find that, you know, really she did the job as well or better than anybody else did. And, you know, the government, government lawyers in big law are very dangerous. They're really there uh, to sort of hand you over to the government. You know, their relationships that what make them of value to their firm and the clients are their relationships inside the agencies, not how they practice law. So it's really about who you know, not how you practice law and that means they're not gonna get in fight with those people. And so if you really want a fair shake, sometimes these are bad people folks. They will do bad things with you. They will destroy you. I mean if, if what they've done to my company or what they did to Senator Ted Stevens is something that that you don't know about. You should research it because trust me, absolutely, if do that, you're just mincemeat.
6: <laughs> no, that, that's so true. And, and ladies and gentlemen, you'll enjoy the book, uh, the way it's written. It's a very easy read. Uh, and, and what Michael has done is he's put these subplots embedded into the story, grade, so you can go to a testimony uh, from a congressman or or, or some other uh, information. It's really uh, it's really exciting to read. Uh, let's talk about some of the bad guys and how this all got started. What about uh, Robert Bobbick and Tyversa?
10: Well, this is again year five. Okay, so right now it's been over five years since uh, the book came out and I was sued by the Federal Trade Commission, and it's it's been three years since the FBI raided his company, and the FBI has done nothing. They've indicted no one. Oh, They've imagine that an investigation. Um. I think it's because they'd be so humiliated if this got out. Um, they say it's because they can't prove things, which is pompous and BS. But you've got, uh, you have a uh, an enforcement agency that is unwilling to enforce the law. And that's because they were cavorting with criminals and don't want to be embarrassed by exposing their incompetence. And so the Tiversa is basically non-operational and he lives in Florida. And um, the, the former employees of Diverse are incredibly frustrated with this because they realized they lost their jobs, they lost their stock options, they they thought they were working with a good guy, they realized they're bamboozled, and they had an expectation that the cavalry would arrive. Came in and raided and stopped. Wow. And and I think it's because the cavalry looked at everything and went, oh wow, we really screwed this up. Let's just let it die in the vine. Um, so it's a pretty terrible situation. Um, I'm just trying to figure out what else about all that time. I mean, you know, there's, the book came out, I fight the FTC, then the, the whistleblower came out and Daryl Issa came out and started doing investigation and, and then it, it was fascinating how you'd have this huge breakthrough and you'd assume, okay, now just start. And then the Democratic senators or bureaucrats would work the background and try to kill the story. And they'd be effective because reporters believe Democrats these kids and they believe Democrats and they believe that the Republicans are evil and they're fools. And so they, they don't report and, they, and they're afraid to report because their editor might get mad and these bureaucrats have power within the, the press. So they do all these things. Here you have a national security violation and all this data being exposed by these bad actors and all these, quote unquote, save the world politicians bureaucrats are trying to bury this. And that was really terrifying. And then you think, well, the media would show up. And I learned firsthand. There's no media. Now, I'll tell you, Stacey Rush and I are really good friends because she's one of the few people that saw this from the beginning at the 50-yard line.
6: She did. And she was and, in and, the business. And she would
10: be so frustrated by this because she watched it. And it's, it's terrifying. It's like screaming, opening your mouth to scream and nothing comes out. Or screaming fire and no one shows up. Because it was terrifying how the press. And, by the way, the conservative press, too. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Fox News. Right. You know, so they all just blew it off. You want to know why they blew it off? Because it's theater over there. They only have six minutes. Yep. And they're not going to do any work.
6: Well, that's so true. Uh, it it kind of works in my benefit, but it's still not good for the country yet. Uh, but one of the things that's most uh, saddening to me, uh, I just personally had a, a procedure done um you know the procedure that fifty-seven-year-old men get, and right. uh, and they had to uh, deal with a lot of polyps and things like that. And one of the one of the things that was really intriguing to me, uh, as I said, that you had these subplots embedded in the book, and one of them was about five pages long or something, and it was the patient's tissue journey. And I'm not going to get oh, into
10: patient tissue, t- not because I wanted people to understand what we did. Uh,
6: meticulous, meticulous, and, and and I I read the report that my physician gave me and I'm thinking, my God, 16 of them. And you measured and weighed every one, and did, all-? I mean, it was like a long report and I'm, I'm reading, uh, the, the tissue journey, And This company should be here. You know, that they, they shouldn't have messed with this company that they, they had it. I mean, just the technology that the machines that you had for the slides and the wax, uh, it was uh, still incredible
10: in storage by the way, and are still running in mobile. it is, I learned that people are afraid to embrace what was destroyed or they don't have the knowledge of medicine. I, I've spoken for a medical person that people like cry, which I find amazing because most people just get scared, I mostly the non-medical people. And medical, non-medical people don't have the understanding of Of what we do, and why should they right and they're, they're not trained it, but if you do have the training, you know what we do. we know we we take human tissue and we preserve it, and then we slice it one cell thick, and then we stain it, and we have someone look at it for cancer and 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 that is what got blown away by a bureaucratic bunch of buffoons who worked with crooks and doctored evidence. And knew they were doing it, and and if, if that's not scary enough, the real scary part is how virtually impossible it is accountable. And don't think bureaucrats don't know that.
6: Absolutely, and you know, Mona, to bring this into the Lucky
2: Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah In my dentist's office.
6: Uh, And you look at some Mm -hmm. of these other people, you know, you go up against the federal government and they just bring all the resources of all of us to bear against you. And pretty soon, like General Flynn, you're selling your house just to ensure that your family can
3: survive. Yeah. But like going back with like Twitter, like um, the shadow ban and uh, blacklisting conservatives, like... You know tweets from conservatives that either get banned or they don't get seen. Yeah, I, I
6: mean, uh, the, well, the unfairness is everywhere. I mean, it's uh,
10: but you get punished. Look, so so all that is what they do to Flynn. Okay, what what they did to Flynn, the way they barged in on Manafort when they when they barged in on Roger Stone, their guilt is absolutely irrelevant. It is the stripping of due process. And using people as theater props to scare the public. Bam. The, they, they, you do not see fairness. You do not see due process. You see politicized theater. And they want that head on a spike. Because they, these people feel like they can't get to all the crime fast enough. And they're doing God's work. And due process just gets in their way. And, you know, any means to achieve the ends is fine. And that includes the, the bullying. And, and these are nothing more than 21st century versions of the 16th century torture chambers. And, you know, it's, it's outrageous. They did not go after Roger Stone the way they did to scare Roger Stone. They went after Roger Stone the way they did to scare everyone that could possibly be connected to Roger Stone. Thank you. You know, they didn't go after Mike Flynn's son, or his house except to terrify everyone else into cooperation. That's what they do. It is, they show you the rack and they'll put a few of you on it so that they do not have to be annoyed with something so, um, you know, petty like an actual trial and due process <laughs> and that's how they steal due process from everyone okay. and it, it persecution through process. and. I knew the reason I was doing it was to write about it and show it, and I knew I had to do it in a really compelling way because most people aren't going to look at it. I wasn't expecting so many people in the conservative movement not to want to look at it. Uh, I I really wasn't, but I've I've learned so much about Washington and how many people are just full of crap and (laughs) theater.
6: Just playing the game. Theater is a good word for it.
10: All Mm -hmm. right, so,
6: so Alan or Elaine... Shear came into your life from uh, the FT- Alan, Alan, Alan Shear sure. came in from the FTC, gave you a whole new view of government, and, and pretty soon you realized, you know, and I say the FTC, FTC uh, this can apply to any agency of the federal and actually to a lesser extent the state government as well. But they had no respect for your business or any business uh, while, while you're sitting there. Uh, racking up the legal fees to comply or fight them. I think you said uh, you had uh, your first report already and boxed up. I mean, it was thousands of pages and CDs and graphs and charts, and you boxed it up and insured it and sent it via sent it via the U.S. postal system. Uh, and, 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 you know, you got about $20,000 in on this, and now they want you to send it FedEx. I mean, and there's like I mean, weeks involved, up. you know, where you're sitting there worrying about your life and your livelihood, and uh, then all of a sudden you get a, a quick post-it memo. No, can you send that uh, FedEx, please? That's the way the federal government is. They don't care.
10: Well, it's the way people are that are buried, it's the parasites that are buried underground, they're the ones that don't care. Um, and it's and this is the exact part that we're not taught. No one is taught this. And that's why everyone's baffled by it. I mean, there was, look, when this started happening to me, and I started writing the book, the word swamp or administrative state or deep state was nowhere in the populist lexicon. You know, now it is, but we need to go farther than that. People have to have real civic about how things are, You know, we have the three branches of government, but underneath that are all these almost consultants, all these agents that Congress has said get to operate and get to have power. And they're all leftists. Congress says that. Huh? They're all leftists, every one of them. Well, no, I think no. The right likes it too because uh, rhinos like it. Now it's not leftist. Uh, it, yeah, everyone that's in the government likes it because once you're in, once you're in the club, you're in the club, and it's a really nice life.
6: Okay, let's change so that, that to the the ruling class. Let's use that.
10: Yeah, because it's not just the left. Now the left right. certainly is the most, but there's a lot of rhinos. I mean, a lot. Let's not forget it was George Bush that started the TSA.
5: Right. So, right,
10: right. you know these. These establishment Republicans that come from these, you know, dripping, wealthy families with their, you know, they seem to think there's some level of royalty, American style, are, are extremely dangerous as well. And that that creates a super majority, you know. And so, you know, I don't know. I think Paul Ryan now got announced today that he's on the board for Fox News. He's on the board for Fox. Isn't mean, yeah, that great? So they just, they just disappear into the woodwork. Sure. You know, and they make money for the rest of their days.
6: It's incestuous. And it really is. It,
10: it is bad.
6: And, you know, and and you look at uh, the continuity never ends. I mean, I'm still. I can't believe that I am still watching George stuffing envelopes on television. I mean, I watched this guy when he was a communications director. For the, they never go away. I mean, Jay Carney's out there. No,
10: he'll carry the water. I mean, it's it's this is a really small group of people, and they all it's a, it's a it's a cohesive team, and the glue is that none of them will hold each other accountable. You know, and if you break that, if you break that code, and that's why you will see Republicans and Democrats look at look at Bill Kristol for God's sake. Oh my goodness! I mean, they're you Thirst know they're out. just nauseating. They're just oh, they're not Democrats or Republicans. They're just all parasites. They are. And their sense of entitlement is really (laughs) something else.
6: It is. I I mean, you know, it reminds me, uh, I went to my son's college commencement. uh, And and it kind of reminds me of the faculty that was at this college commencement. I mean, they came in. They looked looked like peacocks. They, They didn't look like normal people to me. And, I mean, there was two or three platoons of them. There was as many people in this faculty as there was in the graduating class, at least. You know, and it was all about them. And I know that's not really directly related, but it's the, the same mindset. No.
10: It's all inter it's all interrelated. It's because it's see, that whole underground government has is never in a physics book. People would think it's rude. And so, you know, you people don't know. And it's and it's grown now. Like a one hundred year old weed. Yeah. You know, what's new is we're learning about it and how huge it is. Well, so it's it's just terrifying. You know. And what are people supposed to do? You you know, and so here comes Donald Trump and I'll tell you, it's like putting (laughs) ink on you know, on something to see where the spots are. Everyone's freaking out. There's your there's your establishment. Right. Donald Trump tentacles go all over the place.
6: Donald Trump he sends fear through their hearts.
10: Right, because he knows the emperor is naked, so they think there's only one of him. They have no respect for the American public. They hold us in complete contempt as these, you know, stupid commoners that they have to dance to every few years to survive an election. And, you know, that's, and um,
6: that's what that's what I say every time uh, you have uh, Rand Paul and and you know the, the the twelve senators that that voted against the president, and you have. Uh, all these Democrats and and media people doing the same thing. They're not going against the president. They're going against us. I mean, uh, seventy million people. It, it's it's unbelievable. We're at a dangerous time in our in our country. I believe. It's well, a,
10: we don't know that it's dangerous, and they don't want us to know, and that's why they freaked out. It's dangerous. It's it, it, it's morphed. I mean, the administrative state wasn't the administrative state like seventy years ago. Okay, everyone that created this animal's debt and yeah. their intention was there, but but what it, you said,
6: no. what you said earlier, uh, and and I, I didn't respond to it at the time because we had so much uh, further to go. But you said that these bureaucrats spend every working hour uh, legitimizing their agency, and and, tr- and that's true. I, I'm telling you, I worked in the federal government for a long time, and and I didn't really consider myself part of the federal government because it was the military but it was the same thing you know everything we did uh, or, or you know subgroups did or agencies did was to ensure that we were around next year you know you can't survive without
10: us kind of thing well it's an echo chamber it's just it's the same thing in universities it's the same thing whatever in oh, any big 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 corporation I mean you talk to anyone that works in any massive organization, you feel insignificant, and to survive, you keep your head down, mm-hmm. you mind your own business, you go along to get along, you don't bolt rock, and, and if you want to get promoted, you almost have to leave companies and hop around the industry. <laughs> it's just a big game play, um, but it is, we have to understand that, and, and one of the biggest organisms like that is the U.S. government.
6: Oh, well, there's no question. And there's so, you know, I I, uh, I utilize the VA. I have no, nothing really bad to say on record about the VA. I've had excellent care from them, and I know I've gotten into arguments with people that tell me I'm crazy for saying that. It depends on which VA. I'm in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it
3: depends so I, on which
6: state. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. But that being said, one thing that I notice when I go there. Uh, To either there's two or three branches I can go to, in my area we have a ton of veterans, but there's too many people that work there, man. There's, I mean, the amount of people that are on staff at these VAs is crazy. I go into the the Patriot Cafe to get breakfast, and there's 40 employees and they're eating at 10 o'clock in the morning. You know, I'm I'm thinking, you know, this is too big, And, and then you look at the it's an SEIU labor force. Uh, the doctors are primarily from other university or other hospitals that come in and do time. And uh, I don't know. It, it, the bureaucracy is something that's out of control, though, Mike. And, and we do have to try to figure out a way. And, and, and I know that that's one of the reasons the ruling class hates Trump.
10: Well, of course they do. I mean, because he, you know, he he gets down in the dirt with those people. People think that. He's the first one in the dirt. They're in the dirt. They do terrible things with a smile on their face. They're, they're, like, the ex- they're like Nurse Ratchet, and One Full of a Cuckoo's Nest. You know, they never crack a smile, and they're, they're fine in all the chaos. It doesn't, it doesn't, it, 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 it's, it's outrageous. And that's, people that understand that aren't offended by Trump, because in comparison, he's nothing how bad these people are.
6: No, that's right, and I uh, continually wonder about, you know, what we're going to do uh, in twenty, oh four or twenty twenty four rather.
10: Uh, well, we'll not, see. it's a long way off. It
6: is. It is. A lot can happen.
10: happen. I mean, can you imagine saying when? Can you imagine saying when Obama beat Romney? Everyone was so down for three months; it was devastating. It was, and then people say. Donald Trump would be president in four years. I mean, so <laughs> I I I uh, I never I never think it's going to be. <laughs> no, I, I, I always think that something's going to happen.
6: I do too, and it's something that you know that you're looking ahead, but then then you look you look behind a little bit, and you realize, man, we're almost three years into the Trump administration, we don't have the wall yet. Anyway, uh, would you like to take a couple calls, Mike? Okay. Sean from California, you're on.
0: Hey, Hutch and uh, Michael. Uh, okay, Michael, I have a question for you about this whole lawsuit deal where you have to really just um, – because I'm tr- I'm really confused on it. I'm trying to understand it. Uh, maybe you can help me with uh, – Okay, which lawsuit? Well, my lawsuit is where you were saying that um, – God, now I even forgot where I... Oh,
10: the consent decree with the FTC?
0: Yeah, that one, that one.
10: There we go. Okay, so here's the deal. All right, so people think, well, the government comes at you and they, they find something against you and you will go to court. Well we're not really taught, although they're taught in law school, in the best way to go to law school. There are all sorts of different types of courts. And these agencies have their own courts, and they're called administrative courts. And they're really run by referees. And uh, and it's, it, it'll scratch your head. The, the the so the the commissioners get to investigate you, and they get to run the courts. So they're they're judge, jury, and prosecutor, and they put you through a trial in their own courtroom, which the FTC has one on Pennsylvania Avenue. And then after you go through that trial, which takes weeks and millions of dollars, the FTC gets to overrule that judge. They actually have more power than he does. So it's just a process of draining and dry. So I went through that trial, and the judge ruled in my favor. And then the FTC immediately overturned, because in the last 20 years, they've always overturned every losing case. Might- only then can you go out to what we consider an Article Three real court that the population is used to, and that's independent of the agency. And you only get to that point. Well, by that time... Win or lose, you've spent millions of dollars, had a bunch of bad press, and, you know, you're exhausted. Because people do absolutely think you're guilty until proven innocent, and they absolutely side with the government until proven otherwise.
6: That's a shame. And tell them what would have happened if you would have just signed the the consent decree.
10: Well, then I would have just signed the consent decree, and then everyone would have thought I was guilty, and then I would have lost clients. Exactly. And it would have destroyed the company that way. So that was I was terrible. one of those. A lot of times, the consent decree doesn't destroy the company, but the, I'm, I, they went after healthcare facility and they went after cancer detection. So does that does that answer your
0: question better? Yeah, that does. It, it does a lot. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, that it's, a,
6: a lot. it's a shame that that people have to go through this. You have anything else, Sean?
0: Uh, no, I just put a look into the chat, uh, hopefully to give you an update on what's going on with the California reform deal. Uh, Gavin Newsom's in a lot of trouble right now. <laughs> oh, good.
6: That's good to hear.
0: Well, a lot of the people Another here are starting to realize that they don't like him. <laughs> yes, yeah, I mean, I had, I had an pain. uncle who met him, and he he didn't like him one bit. He was really, um, uh, I can't say the word on radio, but, man, if you were there, you would have probably said, wow, I have to agree with him. <laughs> well, he's a narcissist.
6: He is. Yeah. Hey, Sean, call back any time. You got it. Peace out. All right. One of our younger callers, uh, Mike, we pride ourselves in having some young listeners. Not that many, but we do have some. Uh, talk about, uh, there was a, a point early on, or I guess around 2010, uh, where a guy came in, uh, that gave you a little bit of hope, I think, uh, Ken Wright, uh, or Ben Wright rather.
10: Oh, uh, Ben Wright. Ben's a great guy. Had
6: a, had a blog or something and did some investigating and, and gave you a, a sense well, of maybe Well, Ben's an this.
10: attorney. He's a tech attorney and, um, he, he came from Georgetown. He's lived in Dallas about 25 years now. And he was the only person I could find anywhere that that said the way the Federal Trade Commission is managing cybersecurity might be appealing to the masses. It might be illegal, but I don't think it is. But it won't work no matter if it is or isn't. It's not going to work. And he was right. But I can find anyone to even criticize them. I criticize them brutally. And uh, when I was in Congress talking to people of different committees, they'd often say, we can never have a hearing on the FTC because we can't find any companies that will talk against them because they're terrified. Wow. They have to be like the walking dead like me. I have to have no company been destroyed and just keep coming back at them. So, you know, that's...
6: Um, you see that every day now, too. I mean, uh, with the... Sponsor boycotts and Judge Janine Pirro, and I mean it's just uh, – it's almost – it's not almost. It's embarrassing that we've lost our uh, our, our edge when it comes to uh, worrying about individual liberty and things like that. I mean it's so upside down these days um, that you, you just have to thank I, – I, myself personally, uh, I, I look at, at Donald Trump and think, man – what if this guy wasn't here? You know, think about that. What, what if he wasn't here? We'll,
3: we'll be bored covering terrifying. politics.
6: Yeah, we probably wouldn't even be covered. We probably think that everything was good and that one point one percent growth is what we're going to deal with from now on. And taxes are going up. And uh, if you like your doctor, you can get a doctor in the adjacent state.
3: You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I just got to alert from CNN talking about uh risk of uh, kids who take Adderall for ADHD are higher risk of developing psychosis.
6: Imagine that.
3: <laughs> A bunch of yet.
6: school shootings come to come to mind. Uh
3: Well, I don't think because of Adderall. Well,
6: I don't know. I I never never partook. Now, now, there was one uh instance uh Michael where you thought the tide was turning. And you're ready to, to to drop the bomb on him, but you thought about the Godfather. Do you
10: remember that? Oh, you know, someone else mentioned this today. I haven't read my book.
6: <laughs>
5: what did I say?
10: <laughs> well, you
6: basically said, well, you, you were getting ready. You had some information, uh, and, and it was it was about halfway through the book. So uh, mm-hmm. I have to be honest; I didn't complete the entire thing. So I could be talking stupid right now, but you—no,
10: no, no. Someone else mentioned Godfather today too, but I—you
6: I, um, sat there and you—you you, you <laughs> co- you remembered the scene when Don Corleone was going to take care of all family business.
5: Oh yeah, yeah but he yeah. remembered that he had
6: to—he <laughs> had to wait for until after the
10: baptism. Right, 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 right. So you right.
6: chilled out a little bit and go
10: ahead. No, I, I. I don't know. I, I, basically, it's just lying and wait is is the point of all that. That I had to lie and wait because, and you had to play outside the box because I was this little guy. What I had was almost so small they couldn't get to me. You know, they usually go after big companies by trying to get IRS on them or try to get uh, the, the SEC on them or you know, try to get another agency involved and you crush them and they come after. And and these people, it's like they get the blood on their tongue and they feel so good about themselves, like they're actually saving the world. And it's just a big bogus game. You know, there's some things they do. Okay. There's not everything that an agency does to live and breathe. It's bad, but it's a lucky break. It doesn't matter because they're coming at it from a point of power, not due process. And that's, um, you know, really unacceptable. So I just, it was a chess game with them. I mean, everything that happened to them regarding me was a surprise and they would keep raising the stakes. I mean, they thought that they'd crush me in two seconds by suing me because I didn't have much insurance. And the day they announced they sued me is the day they found out I had millions of dollars in free legal defense. I mean, like I'm supposed to go tell them that, you know, and then, so they put out this scathing press release and we come out five hours later and hit them even harder and that knocks them off the game a little bit. But what I've also learned is there's tons of places to hide if you're a corrupt government person. Um, government, I mean, judges are afraid to go after you. They don't want to make any political enemies. Uh, you know, everyone knows each other, so no one wants to tick each other off in case you need a job or we'll work together the next administration or something. So it's like one big, one big um, high school. That everyone's trying to just be popular and survive, and you know the the legacy
6: is out there. Uh, you see Hillary Clinton walking around free, Eric Holder's walking around free. You know everybody's walking around free except for Manafort and, and Stone and, and Flynn uh, and the governor of Virginia that went to federal prison for a watch. Uh, you know, and all these other people are, are, are walking around. Uh, it does get a little bit discouraging. Uh, but, uh, Michael D'Arty, I, I met you at CPAC, I think it was at 2013 or 14. Uh, we actually ate dinner at a Mexican restaurant right down from the Gaylord. I remember that.
10: Oh, my gosh. A- and I
6: remember so that. With
10: uh, the girl from Baltimore who I shared guacamole with.
6: Yes, the guacamole was made fresh right table side that, that Ro- was yeah. rosa
3: mesicano guys rosa
6: Mesacano. <laughs> okay, there it is there it is that, that was a good time but
3: i think it had to be 2014 cuz 2013 was in dc dc actually in DC.
10: Yeah, no it was 14 cuz my book was out i was there because my book was out and they asked me to, to be a, a um you know featured author that year and it was a ple- I need a copy of that Five book by the years way ago. unbelievable it, it, it was a pleasure there, a
6: pleasure then and a pleasure now so tell me from that night, uh where is uh, like, for instance, you were lab m d CEO founder everything, and now you're the CEO of the Cyber Education Foundation and founder of the Justice Society. Where is Michael Dougherty right now compared to then?
10: Um, well, I am healing, and ha- you know, I've had no income for five years, and I am suing. A lot of people. Hopefully something will break. Um, I'm getting a lot of pushback from the judicial system. They won't allow discovery, but eventually that will happen. And I'm rebuilding by opening those nonprofits. The Cyber Education Foundation is more of a corporate education culture type thing. When The Justice Society is going to be a fire-breathing dragon. It's going to try to give people training and education on what happens when you're railroaded by the government um, you know, and we're not, and we're going to try to tell story of people that have been run over, but, but we're not going to just limit it to individuals and we're not going to let people scream and yell and throw temper tantrums. Um, you know, it, it's, it's it's a big boy war and it's, it's, it's tough. It's very tough. And it makes it easier to let people know that other people have gone through it.
6: Well, I know I've seen, you in, I've seen you in person and, uh, I have faith in you, and I hope that everything ends up correctly. Uh, And if there's anything that we can do, we have a a, a sizable audience. If there's anything that we can do for you, uh, we'd love to help. Uh, I I feel somewhat guilty uh, in your analysis of the conservative media, even though uh, I'm much smaller than Fox News. I, I told you honestly right at the beginning of the program uh, the way I looked at the situation, and I, was, I wasn't I uh, was long-sighted enough, apparently, uh, because I did look at it as an individual thing, and I did cover it, and I interviewed you. But, uh, man, if you only knew then what you knew now, we could have blown this thing up a long time ago.
10: Well, th- this happens all the time, I will say, because... Even when I met the Department of Defense and the Justice Department, the first thing they said to me was unbelievable. And that is true. It is unbelievable. And when people are given these intellectual, unbelievable situations, you know, now I've got lots of great reviews in the book. And I have a congressional testimony and I have lots of media appearances. And I've got, you know, all these things that I never had before. And and so, you know, don't beat yourself up too bad, but it was it was very difficult in the beginning, but it's understandable. That's why I told it like a story. It was gonna take a while. And it's an
6: excellent read. How can people get it?
10: Amazon, an ebook, audio book, hardcover, soft cover. You can order it from Barnes and Noble. Um we're approved in the small business space but we but you probably aren't gonna find it in store there. Um you know, but audiobooks, people, I can't believe my audiobooks are amazing. Yeah, they are. A lot of people like, go, go and audiobooks. go off on that.
3: I hate audiobooks.
10: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone yeah, loves
3: audiobooks. Reading, and I hate And I hate Kindles and I hate um, these <laughs> computer things because I'm always on my phone, I'm always on the computer. So I want to be old fashioned and read a book, lay down there, hold a book, both sides.
10: I'm the same way.
3: I read a book. Well,
10: you're about half the world. <laughs> you yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, I think ebooks have settled in about 38% of sales.
6: The Devil Inside the Beltway, ladies and gentlemen, the shocking expose of the U.S. government's surveillance and overreach into cybersecurity, medicine, and small business. Michael J. Dougherty. I want to ask you one more question uh, okay. be- before we let you go, sir. And I appreciate the amount of time that you've given us tonight. I really do. Uh, Limewire. Was that, Ooh, was, that. was that part of it, or, or was it proven uh, not to be part of it? Uh, there was an employee at your company that when this all first started had LimeWire, and this was right after Napster had gotten nailed. Uh, how did that figure into the whole situation?
10: Well, LimeWire is what that was on the workstation. I mean, you look back hindsight 2020, and that was Bobic said, oh, we get this off peer-to-peer software, so you probably have software like LimeWire. And so, sure enough, we got the file that he said he had, and he sent a copy. And it was absolutely from the billing department. It couldn't be from anywhere else. We marched up to the manager's workstation. There was LimeWire. But we never felt that that many things except that LimeWire was on the workstation and somehow that was involved with it. LimeWire is the software where you share music. You put you the software enables you to put a folder or your whole computer if you're really crazy, but Yeah, that's how they fold, sell it, right. You know, and say, Hey world, anything that's in this is yours and you let me know anything that's in yours is mine. If if we so choose. So uh, but over time, with the whistleblower, we found out it really wasn't limewire that was used. It was FBI software that was really was gymmed up and beefed up, wow. limewire-like stuff. But, you know, people have to believe you to look. Laws are only laws if they're enforced. So if you sound like a conspiracy theorist, but it is what it was. I, I spoke the truth, and the truth was stranger than fiction, and it took a long time for people to believe it. Wow, and that was the most unpleasant experience.
6: I could imagine, Mona. Any final thoughts?
3: Oh, I, I, I want to get a copy of this book.
6: <laughs> she wants a copy. I need of to learn. I
3: need to learn more about um, cybersecurity and like the cyber threats and stuff like that because it's a real threat.
2: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Votary prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
6: I'll tell you, the the thing that, that's really uh, amazing to me uh, is the responses and the correspondence with the government agencies, especially when the lawyers get involved. Mike, uh, looks like you made it through the other side. Now it's time to uh, reap some of the rewards, I hope.
10: Me too. That'll be great.
6: Thank you for coming on the program, sir. I hope we'll have you back Oh, good
10: talking to you. Thank you.
6: All right. Mike Daugherty, ladies and gentlemen, from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Thanks for coming on the program. The author of The Devil Inside the Beltway. Uh, Please go get that or get it uh, however you want to, whatever medium you want to use. But Mona's not, and she's just not. Mm -mm. You know, that's the way it is. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, you're listening to Cold War Radio on WHBJ Digital Talk. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back.
1: Continuing the criticism, I'm Lisa Lissera, Fox News. Even as fellow Republicans defend him, President Trump again going after former Arizona Senator John McCain. President
0: Trump spent about five minutes in an Ohio tank plant speaking about the late Arizona Republican Senator John McCain. What do you think of McCain? What do you think? Not my kind of guy. It followed days of tweets and public remarks from President Trump critical of McCain's service in the Senate and academic career at the Naval Academy. It's
8: deplorable what he said.
0: Republican Senator Johnny Isaacson sent a rebuke to the president on Georgia public broadcasting. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell in a tweet called McCain a rare patriot and genuine American hero.
1: Fox's Jared Halpern on Capitol Hill. Andrew Gillum, the Democrat who made a close but unsuccessful bid for governor last fall with what he's billed as a major announcement in Miami, Florida. Fox's Granol Scott
9: has more live. Lisa Gillum appears to be setting his sights on next year's election. Politico reports he's starting a voter registration drive that Gillum alluded to in a video posted earlier to his Facebook page.
8: I'm so excited uh, about uh, tonight um, and quite frankly excited about everything between now and election day and what we are
7: going to do to flip Florida blue.
9: All of Florida's 29 electoral votes went to President Trump in 2016 and Florida has gone Republican in seven of the last 10 presidential elections. State Democrats say they want to register 200,000 new voters before 2020, Lisa
1: all the FAA announcing that Boeing is developing what's called a service bulletin instructing airlines to install new flight control computer software in the now grounded 737 MAX 8 jets. Boeing had previously planned a software upgrade. The jets were grounded after two fatal crashes in five months. On Wall Street, the Dow lost 141. The Nasdaq edged up five points. This is Fox News.
10: This is Eben Brown. Today on the Fox News Rundown, Cuban doctors are used as political operatives in Venezuela. We speak to former ambassador to Venezuela, Otto Reich. Go to FoxNewsRundown.com to listen and subscribe.
1: Some good news on a chemical fire that had been burning near Houston. The
10: chemical tanks at International Terminals Company in Deer Park, Texas, near Houston, had been burning since this weekend. And now the company spokesperson, Alice Richardson, says that fire is out.
5: We're still spraying some foam
6: on the remaining tanks. We want to ensure they don't reignite. Reigni- ignition is possible, but with every passing hour...
1: The risk of that is reduced.
0: The fires caused a large black plume of smoke
10: and we're burning gasoline and nail polish remover. Evan Brown, Fox News. The
1: National Weather Service warning that flooding in parts of South Dakota and northern Iowa could soon reach historic levels. They're projecting the James River near Scotland could reach over 21 feet. The worst of the flooding so far has been in Nebraska, southwestern Iowa, and northwestern Missouri. Hundreds of people have been displaced. British Prime Minister Theresa May addressing the nation after asking the EU for an extension to try to reach a Brexit deal.
9: This delay is a matter of great personal regret for me. And of this I am absolutely sure. You, the public, have had enough. The
1: head of the European Commission said a short extension is possible on the condition that British Parliament approves the Brexit deal. They've already rejected twice. European Union regulators have hit Google with a 1.49 billion euro fine for what they say is the company's dominant role in online advertising. It's the third time the commission has been slapped by slapped Google with an antitrust penalty. And the lineup for this year's Lollapalooza tour has been announced: Ariana Grande, Childish Gambino. Twenty-one pilots and the Strokes are some of the acts scheduled to perform. More than 170 will perform on eight stages on Lake Michigan near Chicago. The festival begins August 1st. I'm Lee LaSara, and this is Fox News.
8: Hey, y'all, this is your man Roderick, the host of The Black Patriot Show, and you're
4: listening to WHBJ Digital Talk Radio, where we are the media. Keep it locked.
2: Would you like to voice your patriotism without the threat of being censored or shadow banned? Would you like to contribute to wounded veterans but don't know how? Would you like to communicate with like-minded conservatives without being trolled? If you answered yes, then Red Elephant, RDElephant.com is for you. Red Elephant is the new social media platform that will not censor or shadow ban you. And a portion of your sign-up fee goes directly to the Wounded Warriors Project. RDElephant.com One
9: America News Network. Your leading source for the latest breaking national and international news, with nearly four times as many headlines as the other networks. Straight news, no speculation, no opinion,
8: just the facts. Complete coverage 24 hours a day, seven days a week.
9: One America News Network, your source for credible news.
6: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to WHBJ Digital Talk and Cold War Radio. Uh, I'm on the line with Mona, my co-host from New York City. Mona, if you could only get in the chat room. Man, the love is everywhere for Mona in the chat room. Wow. (laughs) Great interview. Great interview. And they know that you brought him here.
3: Should we do this once a week or we should do this like um – Twice a week. Let's start out at
6: once a week. It's working good. I like Wednesday. Uh, That works, uh, no doubt about it. we got some good shows coming up next. Uh, We've got the True Crime Brewery. Imagine that, mixing beer and true crime. That is going to be interesting. That's Jill and Dick will be uh, uh, running that show coming up right after this one. Uh, We've had some other good ones over the last couple weeks, Verbal Shenanigans, History Unplugged. The Mallard Report, Uh, just so many. Uh, Man Cave, Happy Hour, Animal Talk Radio, you heard before this show. Uh, It's Debatable, The Good, The Bad, The Sequel, Uh, Pop Anime Comics, The Calling Hours. I don't know, the last one was a little, well, we'll probably try that again. We're going to have to get that, that's the horror show that we have, Mona. There was a couple people freaking out about that, but we'll, uh. Have to run that again and see if it's gonna be part of the part of the lineup uh, we've got some some really good stuff I appreciate it uh, some other things that are going on well first of all before we get to that, what's going on uh in your world what are you what are you watching right now Mona uh, as far as uh, different events and politics and things like that?
3: well, like I said earlier before we had uh Michael on uh Nancy Pelosi was in New York with Bill de Blasio and um, Media Vasquez, and they were talking about some dream act. But I didn't get to follow up too much because I was just running around in circles today. i heard I'm that, surprised the media's not really talking about it.
6: I heard that Bill de Blasio actually went to Iowa. And when? I, I'm not sure. The, the the story that I saw was kind of ridiculing him. like Like he had five people there or something. It was the story was about the low turnout, and I think it was Iowa, but I'm not sure. Uh, but I, I just, I just, you know, when you when you think, <laughs> I'm not trying to sound bad about New York, but if you think about how Bill De Blasio was elected the mayor of New York City, there's only two words why he was elected, and that's Anthony Weiner.
3: Well, no, well, yeah, that too, but. um New York, I hate to say this, there's hardly no Republicans. Like, oh, it's a seven to one ratio Democrats. I know. But Democrats don't know who they're voting for. And if you see a lot of these people, and I hate to say it in the low poverty communities, their polling site is right downstairs. Like, especially in the projects, their polling site is right downstairs. Yeah. If you go in the, in the suburbs where people drive a lot and there's not a lot of, too much public transportation, their polling site is about a mile away from that house. Oh, and those yeah. are the ones that are heavily moderate Democrats and Republicans. So I always say there's always a voter infringement going on with the, with the polling site, for example. On top of that, um, people don't vote by name in New York St- um, City. And I, I've seen a lot, a lot of voter fraud. Like I've seen poll workers tell them Democrat down the line, circle Democrat down the line. Oh, sure.
6: And you can have one of these they, turkeys. And,
3: and you have five languages there so people can talk in their language, like a Spanish, Chinese. I think there's Polish. I can't remember the others. I think Greek. Arabic. I'm, I'm sure Arabic
6: and, and German. No, there's no
3: Arabic. There's no Arabic yet, yet. But in the in the vote. But there's not a heavy Arabic community. But, um, and Arabs don't vote. I'm telling right now. The most of the people that vote is mostly Hispanics and the blacks. Okay. In New York. But, um. They vote
6: down the line. They don't know who they're voting for. Right. And I think that's so that, uh, I think that's one of the reasons that you see the Democrats championing uh, these people that are coming across the border. And it, if you've never been south of the border, then please don't talk about these immigrants. If you've never been to their home, which I have, I've been there. And the people that are coming... Uh, from these lands, like it or not, it's the third world. And if you've never been there, you've never seen anything like it. I mean it's it's like a a mixture of a little bit of heavy equipment, but ninety eight percent of the population is using a machete as their main tool. you know and, and I mean I, I watched it. I watched I watched these people build a home. With no tools except for a shovel and machetes. And it impressed the hell out of me. But it is still people that are coming north are not coming to become Americans. <laughs> they're fleeing poverty and corruption is what they're doing. I mean the the lifestyle of some of these people is hard, man. It, it really is. Uh, and, and just uh, – for fair disclosure I was in Honduras and Guatemala in the late nineteen eighties and some of those pictures are seared in my memory Uh, to see a Catholic cathedral with holes for doors and windows but no doors and windows and see a house with holes for doors and windows, but no doors and windows, no electricity, but we do have a living room suite in a living room, if you can imagine that, so it's very dangerous when people like that are introduced into our political system, you know they're not uh they don't have enough knowledge to vote with their own mind, so they do what Mona's saying. The people that welcome them in, well, they welcomed us in, so they must love us, so they must know, you know, what we're supposed to do at the ballot box. And boom, you get Bill De Blasio. You I st- don't
3: even think they think like that. I think they just see. If you look at the if you if you Google online, right? If you Google New York City um, ballot. How, see examples. The Democrats are always first. And then the Republicans, and then they'll <laughs> be like, uh, what is the third one? Independent. Independent. And then there's green and whatever parties are oh, yeah, in there to make up ballots. <laughs> and then you could do the right in at the far. So some people want to go vote because, you know, there are some people who have their citizenship. Um, they're like, this is like, you know, a privilege. So they go vote but They don't know who they're voting for they don't know what this person stands for, so sometimes I think i I've seen it firsthand you know poll, poll workers telling them how to who to vote for I've seen um people you know vote down the line and then you ask them like um uh, like um do you know who's running and they're like no no I I just voted Democrat
6: yeah I know uh and it's sad because You know, they do have that immediate gratification. Okay, I vote Democrat, so I'm still going to get this. But it never Mm
5: -hmm. gives
6: them the incentive. I've always said that the most destructive thing that Democrats have done to the idea of assimilation and the melting pot and America is press one for English. They should have Uh never allowed that. That keeps people from learning English because they don't have to. So, if you eliminated that, just by itself, that would uplift immigrants in this country that don't speak English when they get here. Now, personally, to me, that's a disqualifier. Bye. You know, you have to you have to try. You can't just come in here and and get everything. You got to try. You know, my
3: not, dad learned English in six months. No, I don't know why it takes people years upon years, and they don't even try.
6: Exactly, and that's my point. Uh, and, and you look where those families end up, and they're not where you are. You know, you're thinking what? about you're thinking about you your your family is an emig- or an immigrant family, and well, my father is. You're, well, so that you have to be. I mean, well, no, okay. So you were born here. My
3: father, yeah, but, I was but born my here. point, my immigrant. point, my
6: point is, is he didn't go down that road. Which he, road? The road of dependency, not learning oh, English, no. and letting the government, uh, you know, depend on the government and vote Democrat your whole life. He gave you the opportunity no. to make up your own mind.
3: My dad escaped. Um, Egypt, right after so that was assassinated, and the mother Brotherhood took over Roger. for a little while. Mm-hmm. So, but, then but, he came to America.
6: But you see my point. He, he did it right. He did it right, mm-hmm. and and he made sure, uh, you know, that you had the building blocks to do it right. And my point is, but
3: granted, it took him six years to get a citizenship back then. It was right now. It's a little harder, more harder. But, but he didn't, you know, marry anyone. He didn't marry my mother until like. After you got a citizenship, because uh, you know how people do that
6: marriage license yeah. thing, no, and I'd, then um, I, I, to me, to me, your story is the American dream. You know what I mean? I, I'd love to meet your dad. I mean, that, that's something that mm-hmm. I, I look at that, and, like and I'm contrast, about- I'm, I'm contrasting that with these other people that oh, are yeah. that are coming in here, and all they're trying to do, and it's not just them; they're being they're being coerced. But they're pushed into these areas just like immigrants since America started. You know, just like the Italians, the Irish, you know, the Slovaks, the Eastern Europeans, they were all pushed into their own they weren't pushed. They they moved into the people into neighborhoods where people were like them. But the difference is that throughout the ages all of those groups assimilated and they learned English and they made their children learn english and they didn't accept handouts they did accept handouts from their own communities which is normal that's the way the country used to work before the 1960s you went to the church you didn't go to the government there was nothing at the government you went to your community and your church if you needed a hand up and you got it normally you know but mm-hmm. now it's so it's so institutionalized That we're spending more money on quote-unquote entitlements than anything else, and and the media is out there. This president has lowered – if you remember at the peak of the food stamp presidency, at the peak of Obama's presidency, 49 million people were on food stamps. It's down to 37 million today, and it's not in the news
3: what you call i remember wasn't it down during the clinton era because of uh, new gingrich with the
6: um it wasn't as developed back then back then it wasn't such a there wasn't such a marriage between the government and industry in other words between clinton and now what you had was you had companies like coca-cola and, and they're all they're conglomerates now you know what i mean you, you say One company's name, and there's 50 different brands under that company that you know, like Nabisco and Doritos and Frito-Lay and all this stuff. So all these junk food companies and all these other companies that have products to sell all lobbied the USDA, which used to be the United States Department of Agriculture. They should rename the USDA today and call it the U.S. Agency of Food Stamps because 85% of their budget at the USDA that everybody thinks about dairy and farms and everything else, no. Their budget is food stamps, and the lobbyists, you can buy anything right now. When I was a kid, I was on food stamps, and we're running out of time here, but I was on uh, kind of food stamps that my mom had to pay let me see if I remember this right. She paid $40, and the government, the USDA, gave us $80 in food stamps. And I used to have to take my embarrassed ass down to the store with this Monopoly money and buy stuff oh my that, God. My, that my mom wanted me to buy. I remember when I
3: found a stack of tens in those food stamps, the Monopoly money, and I thought I was rich. And my mom was <laughs> like, you just you just got gave us free food nice. for a week. Nice.
6: There you go. But I remember standing in line. And looking left and looking right and making sure none of my friends were in the store, right? And then I mm-hmm. whipped I whipped them food stamps out and you know give them to. Her.
3: <laughs> and they were like in booklets. Was yeah. like that if you grew up in Pennsylvania. It was in booklets. I remember. What I yeah, like, it was like going. It was, a, it was like going to amusement
6: text. park, man. It was like going to amusement park. You need three tickets for this. And, you know, no, it was like in money. It was like Monopoly money. But 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 uh-huh. my point was there was only certain things you could buy. You know, you couldn't buy chewing gum and potato chips and stuff. Well,
3: you can nowadays. Buy. You can it's nowadays. A- I see people when I get my pack of cigarettes because um, I get mine. I'm going to tell you guys the truth. New York cigarettes are fifteen dollars. Thanks to freaking the Blasio. So I, I go
6: to I go down to West Virginia and get mine. You know what I mean? I buy my yeah, I buy but, my gas there too. But so the
3: Arab the Arab get it for um, <laughs> the cartons from Virginia, Georgia, yeah. Missouri. I think my pack right now is from Missouri. There you go. And um, they charge $7 a pack. So that's still too much. I, well, I'd rather pay $7 for right, one pack right, than right. 15 for sure, one. Sure,
6: relatively. So Be careful now. Cause I'm,
3: I'm taking out I'm taking out my credit card to buy my uh, my uh, cigarettes. <laughs> and then I'll see somebody in line right before me taking out their EBT card. That's what it's called nowadays, their food stamp card, right. to buy their new ports. And then buy potato chips for the little kids and those, like, 25 five cent drinks.
6: It's free. Swipe your EBT. Have you seen that YouTube video? Oh, man, that's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd play it, but I don't think it would.
3: And the, Arab, and the Arabs don't care. It's, it's like they'll they'll make money from it. They right. get reimbursed from the government for using the EBT card. It doesn't matter what they buy.
6: See, they need to get and rid of that always, card. And
3: they always buy the wrap for the weed. Right, the, the blunts. Cigars. The
6: blunts, sure. Yeah. Especially them great ones and those peach ones and everything. Oh, whatever. Hey, yeah. uh, Mona, great interview tonight. Thank you and doing a great mm-hmm. job. Any final comments? And how can people get in touch with you?
3: Um, Instagram at monaslamo underscore, even though I don't get retweets a lot. That's what I was trying to go to all my, about like Twitter. Like I have 30,000 followers and I only get like one or two retweets.
6: We're getting shadow banned. I'm telling you.
3: Yeah. But Facebook, I do I do very well on my Facebook page, apparently. So I have to, like, copy and paste all my stuff that I put on Twitter into Facebook because I get a lot of trash with that. No
6: and doubt. And I only
3: have, like, 9,000 followers.
6: All right. Well, you got more than I do, but that's because you're in that business. Uh, yeah. Thanks for everything. It was a great, uh, great interview, like I said. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Hutch Bailey Jr. Deep down in the bunker in the city of Pittsburgh. I want to thank everybody uh, for coming around. And I would love that you stayed around because we have, coming up next, the True Crime Brewery with Jill and Dick here on WHBJ Digital Talk. Uh, thanks to Rocky. And again, if she's still in there, she's probably not. But I want to wish cool. Marlene uh, a... Oh, yeah, she is.
3: Just said, check your email.
6: Okay, good. Marlene and her husband. I don't know her husband's name or I would mention it. Uh, happy 26th anniversary. They are listening to the program from Kona, Hawaii. How about that, man? That, that's good stuff.
3: Happy right anniversary. I hope to be in that level one day.
6: Heck yeah, you can't get any better than that. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, uh, don't go anywhere because True Crime Brewery is coming up next. <laughs>
3: Later,
6: everybody. All right, Mona, thank you very much. I'm Hutch Bailey, Jr. Hutch at SteelCityResistance.com. Go to Mm SteelCityResistance.com for everything all of your WHBJ needs. Jacob Seals. Ladies and gentlemen, check him out. Buy his music. American Dreamer. We're out of here. You know why I love women from New York? Because some of the women in Pittsburgh.
3: You got to see Biden. Yes, I did. You can look at me. Uh, Obama, 2012, he's going to win, baby, he's the man. Biden was down here and it was awesome. Yeah. Go Obama!
9: What do you like most about the Obama administration?
3: Then, uh, let's see, healthcare?
7: Yeah.
3: Yeah. And um, schools. And what else do I like about it? I like everything about Obama, basically. What what does
7: it mean to
9: have Biden out here? Oh,
3: greatest day ever to have Biden here, man. That was the best experience ever in my life, to see him in person like that. What 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 went through
9: your mind? Did you get goosebumps?
3: Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time, man. I love love Obama and I love Biden, too. Because Biden's all business. He's all business. And he'll tell you how it is. And that's why I love him. And I love my mama!